Well, um, if, if you don't know, um, we have for the last seven weeks prior, today, today's the eighth week, I've been going through the book of Titus. And um, it's important that you kind of recognize, at least for, for us, if you continue to, to plan on coming, we're going to just pick books in the Bible and go through them. Uh, that's going to be our bread and butter every single time. There's going to be moments like, like next Sunday where we'll take like a week break, but it's never going to be, you know, 25 weeks in uh, how to get out of debt or anything like that. It's always going to be um, kind of recognizing that the Bible's going to um, guide and navigate our conversations. And, and Titus has been huge for us. If you don't know a lot about Titus, because um, the backgrounds, um, I, I think important and something I've said every week if you've been here, but um, the book of Titus affords us the ability to be introspective as a church. And what I mean by that, it's, it's one of the few books, actually, uh, there's only three books in the, the New Testament that are written from a guy named Paul, and I'll explain who he is in a minute, to a pastor about the church. All the other books are written to churches directly. So we get some insight as Paul writes to one of his pupils, one of his um, lay pastors, this guy who's pastoring this church in Crete, as he kind of looks down and says, here's what I'm seeing, here's how you need to pastor. And and that affords us um, not just to think outside of here, but more specifically, okay, well, he's telling us how the church should operate. So if you say you go to church, how should the church operate? And and what we've seen is we've seen the appointing of elders, as we just talked about. We've seen that there's legalism within the church. How do we address that? And then back and forth, back and forth. If you've been here for the last four weeks, you've noticed this rhythm of, it, it requires grace, that we are saved by grace, not because of what you've done, not because of your awesomeness. I'll say it over and over again. Not because your righteous swag, not because of the mu- movies or the music. None of those things save you, but because of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. But what that does is that stirs up our heart and propels us in a direction of good works. And the analogy I've used um, is bowling alley bumpers, right? So we're going to feel like, and we have felt like in Titus, matter of fact, people have come up to me and said they've, they've literally felt like, one minute we're talking about grace, I'm only saved, but at the, the next minute I feel like, but I need to do something with my faith. And both are true. Both are absolutely true. And to keep us safe from licentiousness as we feel like, oh, I'm saved by grace, I can do whatever I want. The, the problem with I can do whatever I want language is Christians don't use it. So I can do whatever I want. That's not Christian language. But at the same time, we recognize we're saved by grace. It's not what I do that I'm saved, but I do things in response to that grace. And so um, that's kind of what we've been doing back and forth. And we're going to finish Titus, um, and I think in a really healthy way, um, because as you saw at the end of the letter, um, there's kind of this, this community-based uh, thing that I actually want to start with. So I'm going to start with the end of our passage, go back to the beginning, and then work ourselves uh, back to, to, to the end. Now, this morning is not going to be long. Well, we'll see. Um, so, so here's where I want to start. I said that the letter itself is written uh, by a guy named Paul. Here's what's really interesting about Paul. Um, if you don't know, he's been going around planting these churches. And uh, one of the churches that, that had been planted, we don't even know for sure if it was by him, but by someone, but he's now pastoring, is this church in Crete that, that uh, Titus is at, right? But before he's ever planting churches, um, he's, he's actually being uh, kind of shunned by the Christian community. And the reason he's being kind of shunned by the Christian community is because before he's ever being shunned by the Christian community, he was actually trying to kill the Christian community. And, and what you read um, in the book of Acts, so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books in your New Testament, and then you have the book of Acts, which is um, basically, it's part two of the book of Luke. It's an ongoing story of the church. Paul is going around killing Christians. Now, if there's any hope in all of the Bible, in any chapter, it's Acts chapter nine, because Acts chapter nine starts with Paul, he, he's literally from verse one, breathing murderous threats to the church. And it isn't but 20 verses later, he himself is being persecuted because he's now a Christian. Now, Paul's story is super unique. And I, and I, I think sometimes as we read our Bible, we read these last verses. Hey, so send this guy and tell him I said, what's up and all those things. 
But it actually gives us some insight as to what's going on into to Paul's click because here's the reality. Um, Paul, once he becomes a Christian, no one wants anything to do with him. I mean, he's been, so, so you got to think if, if, if somebody rolls in here, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know anybody who's killing uh, uh, Christians right now. But if some, let's say uh, an ISIS figure rolls in here and sits down, everyone in this room would be sketchy about that dude. No, 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 I'm a Christian now. No, you, you would be sketchy. You'd be like, I don't, I don't know if I can. And this is, Paul's been going around killing your brothers, killing your sisters, killing your moms, killing your dads. And now he's sitting in the service. There's a huge vortex around him because nobody wants to sit next to him. And everyone's wondering, what's this dude's deal? And slowly but surely, Paul shows that he really is saved. The grace of God really has uh, melted his cold heart. And now he's, um, he's learning all the things that he's learned before, but he's relearning them through the lens of Jesus Christ. And so now he's, he's gaining this community. He spends 14 years in one place, two years in another place. You can read the book of Galatians to kind of see some of uh, Paul's journey in that. But here's why I say all of that. We get towards the end of Paul being this rugged man. And now we get with, with, with Titus and we're going to see some of the insights of his community. So uh, I want to read that uh, last part. So if you have your Bibles, Titus chapter three, we're going to start with the end. And this is now uh, the murderous Paul who's been going around killing Christians. This is what he is saying. When I send uh, Artemis and uh, Tychicus, uh, we'll call him Tychicus, that's what Allison called him, she's a teacher, Tychicus to you, do your best to come to uh, Nicopolis, uh, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to uh, speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, see that they lack nothing. Verse 14, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All um, All who are with me send greetings to you, greet those who love us in the faith, grace be with you all. So there's a couple words I want you to continue staring at your Bible. A couple words I want you to look at. First in 12 and 13, look at the people. There's this relational component, right? He's, he's saying, I recognize this guy. I, I know this guy. I know about who this guy is. And then look at the third word in verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Verse 14 is huge because there's an inclusive statement here, right? Paul, who used to be one thing, goes, and let our people, let our people. And what I said about Titus is, it's going to give us a chance to be introspective for our people. Now, um, if you're not a Christian in here, and you don't go to church, and you're brought here by a friend, and you really feel like you hate the church, um, you're not going to like some of that language, right? Like the, the reality is sometimes the church can be viewed as um, we think we're better or um, we're super righteous or holy or whatever it is. And we've got our own little thing going on. Um, and as much as we want to push against that, you guys, those of you who are Christians and part of this church, the reality is there is a little bit of that. There's a little bit of recognition that, man, sometimes I really suck at being a husband and really am terrible at being a father. But I can look at you guys as you guys continue to look at me and I look back at you and we go, yeah, but I'm, I'm not by myself in this, am I? Because I'm trying to bring glory to Jesus Christ. There's a our people component that, that we're in this together. There's a togetherness that I need you to see in this passage because the way the passage starts is not that. Now we're going to come back to those four verses, but I want to go back to our passage, kind of shelf that idea for a second. Um, and let's go back to our, our, our passage at the very beginning, verse nine. This is how it starts. He says this, um, but avoid foolish controversies. Stop. Okay, that was a lot to cover already, okay? Um, 
Here's what I'm going to say. If you haven't been here, it's going to be like a Bible study. I'm going to do word, word for word, just kind of explain it. It's going to be a big Bible study together. That word but is a response to something we just went through, okay? And so here's, here's the response. Paul's going to tell Titus and say, hey, listen, I've been telling you to live out your faith in Jesus Christ, to have good works, but there's an opposite component to this, okay? The opposite component of not having good works is, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Literally, the word foolish is where we get our word moron from. Avoid, uh, he, he's telling uh, Titus uh, very specifically to do this, but we can, we can recognize um, there, there's something going on. If there's an R, if there's a community of believers that I recognize, I know things about you that most people may not know, or uh, I hear things, or we're continuing to sharpen each other in an R-type language, and us doing this together, there are certain people who want to get in there and blow that up. And so Paul is giving Titus directions to go, no, 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 stay away from these foolish people. These people are arguing about silly things. Okay, so um, I want to show you just a small little equation that I, I think might help. I don't know if it will. Um, okay, so here's what we've learned from the, the, the book of Titus as it bleeds into this passage, okay? Um, what we know is, as we, we uh, fall in love with Jesus Christ and grace has, has come to us, um, this exhibits good works. And good works are profitable and excellent. That's what we found out last week. To do things for Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, in response to his grace, to do those good works, those are profitable and excellent, okay? But what we're going to find out today, and this is why I need you to do some, it's called exegesis. We're going to flip this on his head and find out what is not profitable and what is worthless. And what is not profitable and what is worthless is foolish controversies. Foolish controversies. Um, I, I had a, so... <laughs> So we've been going for a year and a half. I've already said that. Um, but because of that, we still have like a lot of church plantness about us. Um, and so if you go on our website and call the church office, you're just calling my cell phone. Um, okay. Um, which is hilarious because I'll get these calls like, hello? Like, oh, I thought I was calling Redemption Square. Oh, yeah, you know, this is me. What up? I'm just making some eggs. What's, what's going on? Okay. Okay. Um, well, sometimes I get these calls and, you know, it, it is for little things, but sometimes I get these calls. People are trying to church shop and look around. And um, about a month and a half ago, I got a call from a guy and he was, uh, he began to ask me questions and he was asking questions that most, not to be demeaning, but most of you in the room probably have no idea. He's asking me about uh, premillennial, post-tribulation. Uh, He's asking me about dispensationalism, covenant theology. And I'm going through all these things. I'm like, okay, this dude knows his stuff. Cool. Well, yeah, man, I'd love to see you on Sunday. And, and this is, it was probably about a 45-minute conversation. At the end of the 45-minute conversation, he goes, yeah, well, I've been looking for a church for about 10 years now. I, I don't know if I'll, I'll be there or not, okay? And I thought, doo-doo, okay? <laughs> because here's the reality. That man, unless grace does something, is never going to find a church. No one is going to line up with everything that this dude believes in, right? I mean, we're talking about things that are so open-handed that, that you look and go, well, you believe that, uh, you believe that there's a post-tribulation to the, to, to the millennial reign of Christ. Okay, fine. But what about dispensationalism? And he's going through like very nuanced things that I only know because of seminary. Like no ordinary dude is going to be like, yeah, let me talk to you about the ontological equality and economic subordination. Where do you stand on the Trinitarian? Like, I'm like, Hey, dude, like, what, what are we getting at, right? And I was, like, talking to him about this, and he's like, well, I haven't been to church in 10 years. Like, oh, you're one of those guys, right? The reality is there's people who want to continue to nitpick at, nitpick at these certain things and never want to establish themselves because, and I quote, they, avoid, or, 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 they have foolish controversies, genealogies, dis, uh, d- uh, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they're unprofitable and worthless. 
Like, like these things are getting us nowhere. So here's um, what I want to say about the church in general, if, if you're new. Um, as a church, we have failed at this. We have. I mean, I, I've, I've been to churches, not a part of a church, but been to churches that literally were arguing and almost splitting over whether or not angels were married in heaven. I mean, crazy things, crazy things. Um, and, and since, if you don't know what the Protestant Reformation is, since the break from the Catholic church, the church has just been splitting over and over and over again. And it's been like terrible. And, and here's what I want to put. If there is an R language in this passage, um, that means that we're in this together with all the different opinions on the table, with all the different views on the table, and we're going to wrestle with this together. We're going to wrestle with this together because here's the underlining tone. We're in it together. Now, um, I, I have an opportunity um, to like get to talk to different voices in the community. And there's a lot of eclectic voices out there that are Christian, right? And there's a lot of views that um, I would go, I definitely disagree with that. But something I'm recognizing, and I'm, you know, I'm not old or anything, but I'm something I'm recognizing as I'm um, uh, being more mature in ministry is um, as I continue to engage with these people, I'm, I'm looking at some of them and give me grace, but I, I have certain friends in Portland who drink and smoke like sailors. They cuss, I don't know, what's something that cusses a lot? Like, I don't know. Something that cusses a lot, okay? Um, right? But here's, here's what's crazy about that. Um, my legalistic roots within me, as I'm engaging with these church planners, I'm like, okay? Like, I come from a place where, like, you weren't even allowed to, like, hear those words. You had to go wash your ears out. And now I'm, like, sitting there with them, and I'm recognizing they're, 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 the way they're processing things is not the same, right? But here's what I know. These dudes love Jesus, like they're memorizing their Bibles um, far more than I am. They're, they're like, they're, they're reading. I mean, they're going at what their culture is. But it's not just like things that we would equate to sinfulness. Um, there, there's people that I engage with theologically. Um, matter of fact, we're going to bring one of them in that is completely opposite of our system of thought uh, for Redemption Church. So if you don't know, we're reformed theologically. We're going to bring in a guy the third week from the end of uh, Psalms. He's an Anabaptist, okay? A Mennonite, the, the, almost the exact opposite. But here's what I know. Um, as I've continued to engage with him, this dude loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. And, and, and he's going to come in and teach a psalm, and he might go all Arminian on us, and that's fine, right? We'll be like, heretic, okay? No worries. But no, so, so here's, here's, here's what I want to say. Um, there's a difference though, okay? So here's, I hope this is a money statement. There's a difference from disagreeing and dissension, okay? There's a big difference from disagreeing and dissension. And there are some people, even in this room, who really like dissension, who want to find things because they want to start their own thing, who want to divide and manipulate. And that is not us. That is not our language. That is not how Paul is speaking about community. Matter of fact, he, he gives a warning to you, um, or at least to tell us to tell you, and now Vincent to say this as well. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Uh, I love the Greek. It's only eight uh, words in Greek, but literally translated, it says this. It's very quick. A fictitious person, warn once, then twice, then reject. A fictitious person, warn once, then twice, then reject. So um, how, how do we do this? How, how do we navigate these waters? I don't want to just sound like some crazy liberal, right? Um, here's, although I, again, part of those people, some of them are Democrat, you know, it's crazy. Uh, okay. Um, so so here's, here's, here's 
uh, I, I think can helpful, and, and it's an analogy that we use with all of our congregations, and it's the difference between a bird cage and a bird feeder. Okay? Um, here's what I want to say is welcome at the table. Um, the difference between a bird cage and a bird feeder is a bird cage is we have us and no more, we're locked in, here's what we hold to, you ain't getting out, this is where it stands. A bird feeder is, hey, go, go and wander, like question and think, but you know where the food is, right? Like, like everyone's welcome to come in and feast here. This is, this is a good place to be. And you may, you may be out here, but here's what we hold to. And so um, we have, I mean, I would argue, at least any church I know of, very staunch theological views. We believe wholeheartedly in what we believe. We know why we believe it and we feel like we can defend it. But we're not going to sit here and say anybody in this room who disagrees with that, you're not welcome. Matter of fact, I have more conversations with people who are, ru- are struggling with some of the things that we believe, but because there's an underlining tone of are, because there's an underlining tone of you're my brother, you're not going anywhere, I'm not going anywhere, let's wrestle with this together. Let's talk. Let- let's go at this. And if we would have less of a mindset of trying so quickly to, I don't like this, I need to get out, and more of a, I don't like this and it's good for me. Matter of fact, I hate to continue to use analogies, but one of the guys that um, I'm in with, we were talking and we were sitting there talking and he goes, well, I just want to be clear. He's like this, you know, he's like, I just want to be clear. Like, like people can be saved. It's by Jesus, but it doesn't have to be the, like the name of Jesus. They could be like some, you know, someone else. And I was like, no, no, no. He's like, no, no, no. Like, like Jesus is doing things. And to some people, it could be someone else. And I'm like, no, 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 it's Jesus. He's like, well, yeah, but I'm like, no, right? Okay. But there's this underlining tone of, hey, I love you and I'm going to push against what you're believing here. I'm going to question, but it's not dissension. It's not fighting. It's not quarreling for the sake of division. It is, um, I think I, the best way, it is building up. It is building up because here's what I know. Some of you, as much as I can joke, need to be around Democrats. You need to make friends with gay people. You need to know somebody who is not in your socioeconomic class, someone who is not like you in race. You need to be around people as difficult as it is, who is not the same age as you. You need to continue to push into people who are not like you because the reality is your opinion is not top of the food chart. And there are people who do not believe like you and love Jesus just as much, if not more. And so when you go, well, here's what it is. It's Trump or nothing. That's problematic. Or the opposite. It's, it's Hillary. How can you say it? But listen, the reality is it's us. We're together. Let's continue to press. Let's continue to mold each other in this direction. Now, uh, he goes on to say some things that we need to uh, continue to go at. So uh, um, having nothing what to do with him, I just want to say very quickly, this will be our approach. Um, if we find someone in the church, in a community who's continued to be fictitious, literally like, um, like looking to divide, they have a preset mentality, they're not looking to change and they just want to draw people away. Um, and we've, we haven't had to do this directly, but we've gotten close. We'll say, hey, listen, here's what we're seeing. We don't like this. We feel like you're trying to start something that's not helpful. One warning, come back to him the second time and, and eventually change. Because that third one, we're like, hey, listen, at the end of the day, and I've had to been part of this once at Redemption, you're here to divide and here to argue for things that are not profitable. I think it's probably best you find another home. So he goes on to say this, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned, okay? So that warped um, 
is actually a response to sinful. Because he's warped, because he believes in the way that he does, um, he's, he's uh, uh, disturbed or he's broken in a certain way. That's why he's acting out in sinful ways. That's why he's uh, uh, um, breaking these things. Now, there's a difference. If there's someone who's argumentative and frustrated because of the way that we're doing it, but they're willing to sit and listen and talk it out, we're loving to ha- we would love to have those conversations, but that's not what this passage is talking about. And then finally, we'll finish in getting into the community portion. Um, this may be an odd uh, section of verses to get at, but, but this is eventually then from responding to that, those types of people, this is what Paul says, what we read in the beginning. When I send Artemis and uh, uh, Tychicus to you, do your best to come to meet at uh, Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to uh, speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people, our people, learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help uh, cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Before I read the last verse, I need you to hear what he said there in verse 14. That's a big deal. Here, here's, here's the difference. Okay, you ready? This is where we're, I'll kind of wrap up. All of Titus has been about knowing that you're saved by grace responding to that grace in good works. Here's the difference. The guys who are in it for their own kingdom, the guys who are looking to be dissentious, the guys who are looking to fight, to divide, um, those guys are unprofitable because those guys ultimately, I would argue, are probably not saved by grace. What grace does, if you want to truly know if you're a Christian in here, you've um, accepted the grace of Jesus Christ, is it humbles you. Nobody rolls down the street with Brad Pitt as people take pictures and go, no, 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 please, please. No, no, Brad, sorry, they're here. No one does that, okay? You would immediately recognize that they're there for Brad Pitt, not you. And if you're saved by, by grace because of Jesus Christ, you recognize that it's not you. It's not you. And if you're looking to do your own thing and start your own kingdom, the reality is you, you might question what, what grace is doing in your heart. But here's the other thing. Um, as a church... Though we believe heavy in theology, good works is a response to grace, and we want to continue to move forward. There are communities to be helped. There are schools that need to be loved. Even this uh, um, uh, Friday, uh, Jason uh, had brought uh, 20, geez, 27 pizzas to, to Altaloma. That was what you paid for, 27 pizzas to Altaloma for a Title I school to have a pizza party. The, these are things that communities um, dive into ESL classes. Communities visit uh, uh, nursing homes. Communities uh, continue to help their neighbor by putting in sprinkler systems. Com- communities continue to help paint houses. Communities continue to engage their community because... Good works are profitable. We're not going to sit here and argue about these crazy things. We want to have those conversations. But if those conversations are not leading us to good works, to do things in the name of Jesus Christ for his glory, we're not looking to have them. Here's why I say this. And I said I'm going to finish, but here's where I will finish. If you pick up your Bible from the beginning, every single verse from the get, from the jump, is about Jesus. Everything. So um, let me just give you a foretaste because maybe you've never done this before. If if you open your Bibles, you're going to see that from the beginning, Jesus, or from the beginning, uh, uh, God the Father is is speaking of creation. He puts his hand to nothing. So day one, he's speaking it. Day two, he's speaking it. Day three, he's speaking it. He's speaking it. He's speaking it. And you're going, okay, cool. There's this God figure, right? But here's what we come to find out. At at the beginning of the Gospel of John, we're told that the word that, that God is speaking is actually a person. That, that the word became flesh. We're, we're told that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So this speaking wasn't just some kind of ethereal speaking. This word was actually someone, and that someone was Jesus. From the beginning of Genesis, the very words that God speaks to create 
are Jesus. Jesus is the one who's making these things as the spirit hovers over the face of the earth, uh, over the earth. Then you don't go two chapters further and there's a prophecy about Jesus who's coming to save the day. Not but two, two, geez, three more chapters uh, later, we find out the Tower of Babel, people are trying to build a ladder to heaven. But the reality is Jesus came down to earth. It's not but four more chapters later, Abraham is to leave his home country to start a people. Who is Jesus who left his home country in heaven as he comes down to engage and start a people? Over and over and over, Jesus is the better Moses, he's the better Abraham, he's the better David, he's the better Daniel, he's the better Zacchaeus, he's over, well, Zacchaeus was a short weird dude, but, but over and over, he's the better, he's the better. The entire Bible is about Jesus, and if all these controversies, if these conversations, if we as a church are not about Jesus, we're not about the right things. And so as a community, the us, the are, is under that banner. That we're moving forward for Jesus. We're not trying to do our own thing. We're not trying to divide and conquer. We're about the mission and the kingdom of Jesus. That's what we're about. And, and I hope the baseline is the last verse that says this. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who, hear this, love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Those who love us in the faith. So here's the imperative that I would leave you with as you recognize that the grace of God saves us and saves us alone. Um, when you have these conversations, when you begin to disagree with someone, and check yourself. Do you love them? Do you love them? Like, do you engage in such a way that you love them? Or, or do you like when you hear something bad that happens about them and, and, and then you, you like saying it? It's, it doesn't, it's not hard for you to say. Like, do, do, you, li- do you love them? My prayer is that if we finish up Titus, we would recognize that this is written to a church that is in a community in Crete that is all kinds of messed up. And as they're all kinds of messed up, they need each other to continue to love each other well, that we would respond in that same way, that we would love those who are in the faith, who are in this house, who disagree with us, who have different stories, who have different ideas, who have different mentalities, that we would recognize, according to 1 Corinthians 12, that we are a body made up of different parts. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are, for your grace and your goodness. Um, Our prayer this morning is, as we finish Titus in a letter that can just easily be skipped over, the the part of recognizing that you've given Paul, the man who wrote the letter, a community, um, and, and that we have been called to be in community, and that means being around people who are not like us, uh, who have different ideas than we do. Um, God, and, and I pray, I really do, I pray against those in this room who have their own agenda. I pray, God, that you would, um, you would first, you would renew their heart. You would remind them that it's about you, Jesus. It's about your kingdom. It's not about me or the elders or any of us. And, and, and the way that, but, but ultimately, it's, it's about you and, and how you want to do things. May we submit to that. May we, um, may, may we dig our heels in, recognize that we love each other, and learn from each other. Man, may we learn from each other. May we hear voices that we we aren't used to hearing. When we stop lobbing grenades from afar, but we would learn to love each other well, to know each other well, to be in each other's life, to call each other out, and to recognize it's all in love. Now, Jesus, we do this because you first loved us. We do this because we have different ideas than you. We have a different agenda than you. We push back against the way that you want to do things. We are stubborn. We fought, but because of what you've done on the cross, there is grace upon grace. 
You've been patient with us, and so we, we desire to be patient with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You have loved us well, and so we desire to love our brothers and sisters in Christ well. Holy Spirit, we need your power to do this. We love you, praise you, thank you. We desperately need you. So in your name we pray, amen. I finish with this, and it may feel long, but they didn't receive this and go over it in eight weeks. Um, somebody stood up from them in a very oral culture and read this letter aloud. So if I could just ask you, if you want to, close your eyes. Normally at this time, I, I, I would say respond and, and, and process for two or three minutes. But instead of you just sitting there and thinking um, kind of where you are in relationship, though I think that's helpful, um, I'm going to read the entire book of Titus to you. It's only 45 verses, so breathe. We did longer chapters than that in Judges. I'm going to read the entire uh, um, uh, book to you. And I just hope that you'd meditate and hear it for what it's worth in all of its context. Because we rarely get to do something like this with the whole book. This is what it says. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. To Titus, my, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, his children are believers and not open to charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer of God, as God's uh, stu- uh, ser- steward, uh, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silent since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderous or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame. Have nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything that they are to the well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from lawlessness 
and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying, of, uh, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works, that those who are, uh, uh, these things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I sent Artemis and uh, and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all.